Well, good morning. Indeed, it is a merry and bright day for Lynn and I. Uh, today is our 145th, I mean 45th anniversary. Uh, yeah, you can celebrate that. And a, and, a, and a small disaster was averted a few moments ago because I was in the back back there and I realized that my wedding ring had come off and I couldn't find it. So the you know, security team, they all said, hey, if anybody sees that. Anyway, somebody spotted it right up here on the floor when I was passing the baby off. It landed on the floor. So disaster averted. Uh, in fact, Lynn and I were having a uh, small discussion uh, earlier in the week. And uh, she reminded me that we, we, I still had four days to go to get the, one, to get the 45. So anyway, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, 45 years of peace uh, is what our theme is today. Ira D. Sankey was a hymn writer and a song leader at many of D.L. Moody's revivals. It was a Christmas Eve, and he was on a steamboat, and the passengers recognized him, and they said, hey, would you sing us a Christmas carol? Well, Sankey thought for a moment, he prayed, and, and no Christmas carol came to his mind, but the song, the shepherd's song, came to his mind. And he, he sang the shepherd's song. And when he finished singing, a man came up to him and, and began to pepper him with questions. Had, you, had he served in the Union Army during the Civil War? Well, was he ever on night watch in 1862? And as the questions got more specific, the man revealed that he had been a sharpshooter in the Confederate Army. And one night he had a Union soldier in his crosshairs. And then this Union soldier started singing, Savior, like a shepherd lead us. Much we need your tender care. In your pleasant pastures feed us. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, your broadest, yours we are. Well, the music and the singing touched that sharp shooter's soul and he put down his gun. And on that steamboat that night, he realized that God has stopped him from shooting Ira Sankey. Well, Ira Sankey went on to introduce this sharpshooter to the Prince of Peace. And he gave his life to Jesus that night on the steamboat and found the peace that had been missing all of his life. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that the Prince of Peace would come into the world. And that's what we're celebrating today. The world is merry and bright because the Prince of Peace has come. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? From Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with justice and with righteousness from now until forever. The zeal of the Lord's host will perform this. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, we pray that this morning that every person listening in this room, in the auditorium, and online, would come to know Jesus Christ as their Prince of Peace. Give me the words to speak and give us ears to hear and the courage <clears throat> to follow you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Now, because of this great prophecy, we have peace from God. The gift of God is peace. Now, the Old Testament word for peace is shalom. And for many people, peace means an absence of conflict or an absence of war. But shalom means much more than that. Shalom means to make things complete, to make things whole. All of us in this room know how complicated life can get. Life can get really complicated. Life can get messy. And when life is messy and life is complicated, we need shalom. We need life to be restored and made whole. In the Bible, it means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. In other words, it means things are as they should be. Maybe not as we want them to be, but as they should be. You know, if you go out in the church cemetery, there's a lot of tombstones out there that have rest and peace. But that's not the biblical picture of peace. Again, the picture of peace is more like a garden than a graveyard. It's where things grow. It's where there is fruitfulness. It's where there is blessings. In the New Testament, the word for peace is Irene. Irene, and, and we see it, first of all, whenever the angels announce that Jesus is coming into the earth. Let, let me read you the word from Luke 2. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was surrounded and joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, Isaiah made his prophecy 2,700 years ago. It's been a little more than 2,000 years ago since the angels announced that there will be peace on earth among those whom God has favor on. Now, we know that there is not political peace in our world. Historians have compiled this startling information that since 3600 B.C., the world has only had 292 years of peace. And during this same time frame, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small. And an estimated 3.6 billion people have lost their life. The value of the property destroyed in all these wars is estimated to exceed $9 trillion. We find ourselves today in a cultural war, in a dogma war. We find ourselves in a theological war. The world is not a merry and bright place. But I don't want us to miss what the angel declares in Luke's gospel. Again, verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased the peace of God is not promised to every person, but to those who put their trust in him and believe in him. Peace will not come on earth between nations 
and political parties as long as people reject the Prince of Peace and walk in the name of their own gods. It's not going to happen. And it's not happened over the course of history because we chase our own gods instead of the one true God. Jesus comes to offer us something much greater than temporary physical or political peace. He comes to offer us personal peace that lasts for eternity, relational peace with God himself through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have peace from God, and I want you to know this great truth, we can have peace with God. Have you made your peace with God? How many times have you heard that phrase? Have you made your peace with God? Maybe on a movie, right? Have you made your peace with God? I've heard it on a deathbed. People say, I'm trying to make my peace with God. Or maybe a heated conversation, you better make your peace with God. Get ready. Make your peace with God. I want you to know, folks, that I believe biblically that we cannot make peace with God. We, we can't make peace with God. Our sin, our guilt, our unholiness prevent us from making peace with God. Roman tw- Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us in this room, everyone listening, we're all sinners. We've fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, in trying to make peace with God, we try to do all these things. We try, to, we try to build our own bridges to make peace with God. We think if I can just be a little nicer during this time of year, I can make peace with God. If I can be a little more religious, you know, I need to get back to church more so I can make peace with God. None of those things make peace with God. I love what um, Paul says in Romans 5. He, he nails it for us. He says, therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight, by what? By faith, not by works, but by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not what we've done, but what he has done for us on a cross. Colossians 1 says it this way, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. See, that's the message of the Incarnation. That's the message of the birth of Jesus at Christmas. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It is through the cross that we can have peace with God. What God has done for us, we cannot do for ourselves. I've said this many times in classes that I've taught that Christianity... And religion are defined by one word. Religion is defined by do. I think i got to do all these things to make my peace with God. Christianity is based on the word done. Jesus Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Amen? It's the peace of God. We can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Today it is my prayer that everyone listening will know that peace is coming to this world through the Prince of Peace but also that you will receive the peace of God and and know the peace of God. It's one thing to read the Christmas story. It's it's one thing to believe that peace has come into the world through a, a baby named Jesus, but it's an entirely another thing to know the peace of God, to have the peace of God in your heart. 
you know, as nations across the globe reel from one crisis to another, Collins English Dictionary has just revealed the word for 2022. And this is the 2022 word, permacrisis. What a word, right? As the world reels from one crisis to another, extended periods of instability and insecurity resulting from a series of catastrophic events. War in Ukraine, political instability, the surge of inflation. People wonder what next horror might be around the corner. Permacrisis. I want to suggest, I want to nominate a word for 2023. So if you all can write this down and send it in for me, I'd appreciate it. I want to make the word for 2023 perma-peace. Perma-peace. Amen? Because Jesus Christ has come to give us a permanent peace in our hearts. Perma-peace. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Perma-peace. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Perma-peace. Anybody want that this Christmas? Some perma-peace? You know, it comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me say, and I think many of you know this to be true, that peace with Christ is a tremendous blessing, but it's hard. To know the peace of God is hard. And to be a part of the peace of God is hard. Why is it hard? Because Jesus said it would be hard, and we know it's hard. I want to read you this really challenging passage here. It seems, almost seems contradictory, but let me kind of explain it as I believe the Lord wants you to hear it today. From Matthew 10, Jesus says, Whoever will confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever will deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 34, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Words of Jesus. The angels said there was going to be peace on earth. The prophet Isaiah said the prince of peace is coming. And yet Jesus says here, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You know, confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord will at times bring tension and even division. The world is divided between those who have accepted Jesus and those who are rejecting Jesus. Why is the world still at war? Because there are those who seek to lead in a way that honors God and those who reject God's rule of law. It happens in the political world, it happens in the corporate world, and it happens in our personal worlds. Francis Bernadon was born at the end of the 12th century in Italy. His father was very wealthy, and Francis had become famous because he had been knighted a knight from being in a war, and he had a bright future in front of him. His father was so proud of his son Francis. But there was one problem. Francis kept going to church, and he kept praying and asking God what he wanted him to do. Over time, he became convinced that God did not want him to be a dashing knight but be a true disciple of Christ. God wanted Francis to serve the poorest of the poor, and there were a lot of poor people. Francis heard the scripture say to him personally, 
sell all that you have and give it to the poor. So Francis sold all that he had and gave it to the poor. Now his father became very upset that Francis had given away everything that his father had given him. He had Francis arrested, had him thrown in jail, and took him to court. And Francis stood up in court and had to say these things. No longer is Petro Bernadon my father. From now on, my father is in heaven. Francis of Assisi experienced firsthand the division following Jesus can cause. Following Jesus set father against son. And Francis Assisi wasn't the first to experience that pain. There are those of you listening today that when you made the decision to accept Christ into your life, there are people in your family that didn't like it. There are people in your family that rejected that idea. There are people maybe at work that don't value you being a Christian. And your position as a Christian has caused division. There are Christians all over the world that are under immense persecution locked away in prison cells because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Their decision caused their families to cast them out. It brought division and dissension. Now, something that it pains me to talk about, and we'll talk about this more in the days ahead, especially after the first of the year, and some of you are aware of this, there's a denominational dissension in the United Methodist Church. There's a divide in the Methodist church over the authority of God's word where we have a church that I believe wants to abandon biblical integrity for cultural relevance. It breaks my heart. But also I take seriously what Jesus said, whoever will deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father who is in heaven. You know, near the end of his ministry, before Jesus was betrayed and crucified, he told his disciples that their world would not take too kindly of followers of a king who disrupted the powers and patterns of the culture. If you follow a king who disrupts the patterns and the powers of the culture, they don't like it. So Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but I say these things to you that in me you will have peace. As we fight the battles we got to fight for the cause of Christ, it may break your heart, but your heart will have peace because you're following the way of the Lord. In the midst of division and discord and spiritual darkness, I believe we can still be merry and bright. How is that possible? Because we can extend peace for God. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the, the message. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You know, the UN was formed with one mission, the maintenance of international peace and security. There are 97,000 UN soldiers from over 120 countries. There are tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers that are involved in peacekeeping missions around the world. With all that effort, there is still unrest and peace in our broken world. Now, in our broken world, we need peacekeepers. I want to be clear this morning. Jesus didn't call us to be peacekeepers. 
Jesus called us to be peacemakers. And there's a difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. Let me, let me t take them on for a moment. Peacekeepers. A peacekeeper is about control. Control because you have now conquered a country, you're now in control, and now you're going to keep peace over those you've conquered. Secondly, oftentimes, as a peacekeeper, it involves compromise. You have to give and take to keep the peace. And we live in a world right now where we are being challenged to compromise what we believe in order to be a peacekeeper. That we're afraid to make a statement of what I believe because i got to keep the peace. And if I state what I believe, I'll lose some social media followers. And people will, will take me off of their list because I'm speaking the truth. So we end up as a peacemaker, peacekeeper, compromising. And then peacekeeping is conditional. You know, it's, it's, it's a conditional thing as long as everything's under control. And as long as we say what people want us to say and do what people want us to do, there will be peace. But what about a peacemaker? I believe that a peacemaker is who Jesus calls us to be. And it's going to require courage. In today's world, it requires courage to be a peacemaker. To go and realize that your divine assignment is to go and represent Jesus Christ by making peace. And going into difficult situations where people are going to disagree with you. But you take to those people the love of Jesus. And you love them and you say, God loves you and I love you. It, it, it's going to involve this next word, put it up there, conviction. We've got to have conviction to be a peacekeeper. You know, peacemaker. Peacekeepers tend to roll over, I believe. A peacemaker stands their ground and says, this is what I believe. I love you. That's what I believe. And then finally, under, under peacemakers, we got to have compassion. Everything we do, we do with compassion. You know, Jesus went to the cross full of compassion. He did not keep the peace there in Jerusalem that day. He was nailed to a cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could experience the peace of God. You know, we have all kinds of peacekeeping strategies, and one of the most famous peacekeeping strategies is you better watch out. <laughs> you better not cry because somebody's coming to town, right? And that's a, that's a control thing. You know that, right? Uh, that, that usually involves some compromise, right, in there, and, uh, and, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it was six years ago today. I went back and was looking through pictures this morning uh, to try to do a, a, a very romantic uh, anniversary post for my wife on her social media page. Um, uh, so if you see something on Lynn's page, we both kind of put stuff there. But anyway, with that said, um, I, I realized it was, and Lynn reminded me of this actually, that six years ago today, we had a, 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 a laying on of hands of one of our members as we sent her and her family out to be the ambassador for the UN. And this week I, I reached out to, to her and I said, can you tell me in your mind what is the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? Someone who led the UN as a U.S. ambassador, what is the difference? It was very telling what she said. Peacemakers live by what God tells them is true. Peacekeepers, peacekeepers try to justify what they believe should be true. Think on that a little bit. Both are well-intentioned. We need both peacemakers and peacekeepers, but our goal in life should be to be a peacemaker who walks humbly by faith, listening to the voice of God. 
And in some ways, she said, peacekeepers have more influence. But that's not always a good thing because that allows them to make the world what they want it to be in the name of peace instead of what it should be. We find ourselves there all the time, do we not? People remaking the world how they want it to be in the name of peace so that we will all get along. I want you to know today that peacemakers should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Peacemakers must be able to say, I respect your view, but you and I will have to agree to disagree. We're not going to agree on that. Peacemakers need to compliment more than they criticize, and peacemakers need to have the compassion and the conviction to share Christ. We should not be afraid to share Christ with people. We shouldn't go silent because we're afraid we're going to offend someone by sharing Jesus Christ and his love with the world. One of the great songs of Christmas is O Holy Night, and these words ring true today. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. And I love these words from Paul in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, that's a, that's a strong statement. As a peacemaker, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Now, in closing today, as I wrap all this up and bring it full circle, we will only have peace on earth through the Prince of Peace. Going back to verse 7 of Isaiah 9, his ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule with perfect fairness and justice from the throne of his father David. He will bring true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. This is going to happen because the Lord of Heaven's army has dedicated himself to it. Now, it's been 28 centuries since Isaiah spoke those words. Is God going to keep his promise? Is God going to keep his promise? I believe God is going to keep his promise. And I believe that we are seeing the incredible patience of God. God's patience is incredible. He is waiting for you and many to believe in him. And he's holding back the destruction of this world so that one more person will believe. He's offering peace to the world before the world comes to an end. And our, that's our mission. That's our great commission to take the message of God's love. But when the second advent occurs, Jesus will return and he will make all things right on this earth and establish a new earth and a new kingdom. And as peacemakers, we demonstrate that's coming. Now today, as we think about peace on earth, peace on those who God favors, there's all kinds of reasons we don't have peace in our hearts. There's the fear of loss. There's the fear of failure. There's the fear of rejection. There's anxiety that overwhelms and causes fearful insecurity. How many wars have been fought because of fear and anxiety unchecked? The fear builds, the anxiety builds, and all of a sudden you find yourself at war. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a, in a, in a, in a partnership, business partnership, or in our world today, we see that wars happen because of insecurity, anxiety, and fear. Forty-five years ago today, I never forget 
getting ready to marry the most beautiful girl in Horry County. And I was scared to death. I was getting ready to walk into a ceremony where I didn't know hardly anybody in the church. My mom wasn't there because I had not seen her since I was five years old when she left our family. My dad was there with his third wife. And my stepmom was there mad at my dad for having his third wife there. And I'm thinking to myself, and my sister, who's a year older, was not there because she had got a divorce after being married because she had gotten pregnant with child, but got divorced very quickly. And the reason I was scared and anxious because I didn't think I could do it. I had not seen any healthy patterns of success in marriage. All I had seen in my life was failure. And I was scared to death. And I prayed to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord says, I know you can't. But with me, you can. And in that moment, the peace of God came over my life with the assurance that with God's help, we could make this work. And that was 45 years ago today. The Prince of Peace can rule and reign in our lives if we will give him permission and invite him to be in our lives. You know, in 1871, there was a horrible fire in Chicago. 300 people were killed and 100,000 people were left homeless. And there was a businessman in that city who had lost everything, lost a fortune. During that same time, his only son had died. Yet he spent two years helping D.L. Moody feed the homeless and take care of people whose lives had been shattered by this fire. And after two years of serving, he and his wife and family decided to go to England for a vacation. Actually, they were going to go with D.L. Moody to one of his evangelistic crusades. And the husband couldn't get away at that point, so he sent his wife and four daughters on ahead. And they got on the ship. They sailed to England. But on the way, a horrible tragedy happened, and the ship wrecked. Hundreds of people on that ship lost their life. Only 47 people were saved. And one of the 47 saved was this man's wife. He lost his four daughters. He had lost his only son. He had lost his fortune in a fire. But Horatio Spafford, standing on the boat near where his daughters drowned, wrote one of the greatest hymns in the English language. In a world of despair and defeat, he knew the peace of God. And these words he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Today, it is my prayer that it will be well with your soul because you have received into your life the Prince of Peace. Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that you have sent your peace into this world and that through Jesus Christ, we can have peace with you and we can know your peace in our hearts. Even in the midst of discord, in the midst of dissension, in the midst of despair, in the midst of defeat, in the midst of discouragement, we can know your peace. Now, Father God, I pray that 
for that person listening right now that's at war. Maybe they're at war with you, Father God. You all, you've been listening to their cries and anger, shouting that they don't believe in you anymore. They don't trust you. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would move across their heart and they would open their heart to you. I pray for that person right now that's in the middle of a war with a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. I pray for that person right now at war with an addiction that has a control over their life. I pray, Father God, through the power of Jesus Christ who died on a cross to make peace with us, that his power would break the chains that is keeping that person at war. And Father, I pray that right now as we confess to you our sins, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I have doubted you. Lord Jesus, I have denied you. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive my sins? Would you come into my life and give me peace and give me hope and help me know that with your help I can make it I can overcome. I can be victorious. And I pray that people listening all across this campus would receive your peace, Father God. Thank you right now for changing lives. And that there will be people today for the first time that can share out loud, it is well with my soul because of the Prince of Peace. It's in Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen and amen.